Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. We've had the bushfires in Tara and that's been a big focus with the EVAC centres and everything going on there. And in the news, Israel is obviously a big deal at the moment. I'm a voracious reader of the news. I read The Australian every day and ABC News and and I'm amazed at the amount of coverage the Israeli conflict is getting at the moment. But when you think of it, it's a really dangerous conflict and it could turn into something that's pretty huge. They're talking about a global conflict, maybe, if things don't go well. And so you've got that in the news and you've got lots of stuff happening. And it's easy when you read the news to start to live in fear. Fear of what will happen, fear of what's happening, fear of what's going to happen in the future. Sometimes I visit fear, but I don't want to live there. And so... Uh, I don't want to live with fear. And so today we're going to look at a psalm written by David. Now, David was a character in the Bible who knew what it was to be in crisis, but ended up becoming one of the most powerful kings in Israel, ironically, where all that stuff is happening at the moment. And in the psalm we're about to read, he isn't king yet. And the current king who's on the throne is chasing him, trying to kill him. So he's in a bit of crisis here. He's on the run facing crisis. But I want to read what he writes when he's in the middle of this crisis. This is Psalm 27. He writes this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, that's pretty big words when he's on the run and the king and his army are against him, trying to hunt him down. Who shall I be afraid? He goes on to write this. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, It's my enemies and my foes that will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. You see, David doesn't live in fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this thing only do I seek. So this is David on the run from an army who's chasing him to kill him. What's the one thing that he wants from God? This is what he wants that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. He will set me on a high rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music in my heart. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Don't run and hide from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger because you've been my helper. Don't reject me or forsake me. Now, David writes that. Don't forsake me, don't reject me. And then he writes this. Though my father and mother may forsake me, the Lord will always receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Don't turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. But I will remain confident 
of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Now, this is David at his supremely confident best, even though he's in the middle of a crisis. So why can he be so confident considering the circumstance he's in? He can be confident because he has the right focus. Listen to this again. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? His total focus is on God. If you're anything like me, especially when you're tired, the past three weeks, this week ending this week included, so three-week period, I will have done three weddings, two christenings, two funerals, plus evac centre stuff, I've been pretty tired lately. And when I get tired, my focus seems to go off God a bit and I start to look at other things. And, and if you're anything like me, when you have difficulties in your life or, or you have a bit of a crisis, it can start to consume you and you dread it and you roll around at night. And I am really bad on those fitted sheets, aren't I, at home? I'm always ripping them up and, and they always not where they should be in the morning because of the rolling I do at night when I'm really... And so you dread what's going to happen and then I think about it and think of worst-case scenarios and, and it can become a big giant in my life and it can take my focus and it can consume me physically and emotionally and spiritually. But David writes here, the Lord... He's my light and my salvation. He's the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? His focus is completely on God. The great thing about this psalm is that David didn't just write this as theory. He actually wrote it as lived experience. He knew what it was to focus on God. 1 Samuel tells us a fascinating story as the Israeli army is facing off against the Philistine army. And as was the custom in those days, the champion of the Philistines would come out every morning and evening to challenge the champions of of the Israeli army. So this guy called Goliath would come out every morning and night and he would challenge them. Send out your champion to fight me. If I win, then you will become my slaves. If you win, we will become your slaves. Let's do battle. In 1 Samuel 17, it says that the king and his army, King Saul and his army, were dismayed and terrified. It's one thing to be dismayed, but to be dismayed and terrified is bad. And all for good reason. Goliath stood somewhere at nine feet tall. So he was a unit. His coat of armour weighed 60 kilograms. The tip of his spear weighed seven kilograms. Now that is heavy. This is no normal problem that they're facing. This is a giant problem, a hairy, ugly, giant problem. And as Goliath walked out every morning and night, he would become the focus of the Israeli army and he would yell out abuse at them and they would focus on him and they would be terrified and dismayed. And I'm sure every day he came out, he seemed to grow even bigger in their eyes. Then along came David, who was only a young teenager at the time, not even a soldier. And he went to the battlefield because uh, his father sent him with some bread and cheese. So he was basically taking cheese sandwiches to his older brothers. That was his job. Take these cheese sandwiches to your brothers. Tell me what's going on. He was there and he heard the challenge. He heard the giant come forward. And so all focus was on Goliath. David heard the challenge. And as 
David heard the challenge, he also saw the king and the army be dismayed and terrified. What does David do? This is what David does. Now, this is a young teenager. This is what David does. He goes to one of the soldiers near him and says, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Let no one lose heart. I will go and kill him. Now, he's a brat. Let's face it. And his older brothers, they go crook at him and say, give us the cheese sandwiches, get back home. You shouldn't even be here. But David kept persisting until the king finally heard it. Now, the king was a head taller than any other man. He was dismayed and terrified. Hardened soldiers were dismayed and terrified. The shepherd boy who had no training didn't focus on the problem. Instead, he focused on God. Listen to the words that David said as he ran towards his problem. Now, his problem had a mighty big spear and a shield and a sword and a whole lot of anger. David had virtually nothing except a sling. And as David ran towards the problem, this is what he said. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. He's the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver me into your hands, and all those who gather here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Now this, this is an amazing thing. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. You might know the story. He downed the giant, used the giant's sword to cut off the giant's head, and held it up as his trophy. Wow, his focus was on God. An amazing thing happens when your focus shifts from your problem to God. An amazing thing happens when your focus shifts on what might happen to who's on my side. When you focus on the unknown and focus on all the stuff that can happen, you are fearful and dismayed. But when you focus on God, confidence arises. Now, that doesn't mean that you deny the reality of what's happening. What it means is I'm not consumed by it. My focus is on God and on him because when I'm with him, I'm on the winning team. One of my favourite passages in the Bible is Romans 8. I just want to read a few verses from Romans 8. And I think it would be good for all of us this week to read Romans 8 every day. This is what Romans 8 says. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave, up, gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against those who the Lord has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is there who condemns us? No one. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, just think about that line. In everything that may happen to us, we are more than conquerors because of him who loves us. 
You see, when you focus on God and not the problem, then problems become opportunities. Crisis becomes possibilities and giants become the trophies that we hold up high when our focus is on him. And David could write with supreme confidence in this psalm because it was a lived experience. The wicked will come against me, I don't care. Bring it on. They, they will stumble and fall, not me. Even then, when the armies come against me, I will be confident. He's confident because his focus is on God. He's confident and not living in fear because he's living in the right address. Do you know where your live determines how confidently you walk? Now, I don't mean if you live over at Riverdale, you'll walk more confidently because there's not much crime over there. It's not what I'm talking about. What I mean is not your physical address. It's where your heart resides. This is what David writes in the psalm. He says this, One thing I ask from the Lord, only one thing do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on his beauty, to seek him in his temple. And he talks about the dwelling place of God, where God protects us. He lived in God's house. That's what David did. He was... Now, that doesn't mean he lived, don't come and try to live here, because that won't help you. He lived in the presence of God, where God was always there. David was always aware, always conscious of God's presence. The crazy thing for Christians, and I've been a Christian for 47 years, the crazy thing for Christians is I can know I'm saved by his grace, I can believe that he he is with me. I can believe he will never leave me. But there are times in my life the live reality is I'm not conscious of his presence and I'm too consumed with everything else. But for David, that continual awareness of his presence was really important in taking fear away from his heart. A couple of hundred years ago, there was a book written by a monk called Brother Lawrence And he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And you can still buy it at Christian bookstores. And his premise was this. This is a great premise to live by. Imagine how our lives would be transformed if every moment of every day, whatever we are doing, we lived with an awareness that we're in God's presence. Everything we did. I'm in God's presence. I'm in God's presence. And he talks in the book about talking to God conversationally all the time, about building a habit of being sensitive to God's presence. Imagine how my life would improve if I did that well. The practice of the presence of God, to live in a constant awareness of his presence. And so David walks confidently because his focus is on God. You're my focus. Because his whole consciousness is about the presence of God. I am in his presence all the time. My address is God's place. And that's where I dwell. He also believed that God would come through. This is what he writes. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I find that interesting. David didn't say, I'm confident of this. Even if everything goes to wreck here, at least I'll still see him face to face up there. He says, in the land of the living, will I see the goodness of God? And it doesn't matter what's happening to me, I will still see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Then he says this, Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Now, that word waiting is an interesting one. Uh, We've got this idea of waiting is to be passively just sitting there. I went through McDonald's drive-thru the other week. All I wanted was a coffee. 
After about seven minutes in the drive-thru, I was sick of waiting. I wanted to take action. But what could I do? I'm in the drive-thru. Beeping the horn wouldn't do... And I just got more frustrated. It's not that sort of waiting that David's talking about, like you're in a drive-thru and can't do anything about it. Instead, it's a leaning-in type of waiting. The best example of this is, I did a, a wedding a few weeks ago, and there was a page boy... And at the rehearsal, we have a rehearsal the day before, the page boy was a bit overwhelmed. He was only a really little guy. And he was a bit overwhelmed with everything. And he had to stand up the front with us guys. And and his mother said to him, see that guy there? His name's Lee. He's a really nice guy. Stick with him and you'll be fine. So what this little fella did is he stuck by me and leaned against my leg. And I'm aware that he's there leaning against me. And every time I moved, he moved with me. It's like he was stuck to me. And he just leant right in, waiting. That's the sense we get here. It's not passively waiting, hoping God's around. It's actually leaning against his leg, feeling him there, knowing his strength and letting his presence take our fear. Now, the funny thing is, at the actual wedding, Page Boy did the same thing. Didn't go and stand where he should. He came and leaned against my leg. So he was there attached to me like a limpet as I did the service. You see, there's security when we lean in and wait. And that's what David is calling us. And he says it twice in that one verse. He says, lean into God, lean in against his leg and just be comforted by his presence and his power. Just be comforted that that he's there. And so this morning, I want to ask you, are you leaning into God? Like that little page boy just lent into me and just took comfort in the fact that he was there right beside me. Are you leaning into God? Is your focus completely on God? Are you seeking his presence no matter what you're doing, being consciously aware? Because that's how you can live without fear, despite the worst of circumstances. That's how you live in a place of confidence even though the king's army is coming against you, even though the future is really, really uncertain, even though, and I talked about it before, even though you walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear. Sometimes I visit fear, but I don't want to live there. If I visit, I just want it to be for a moment in time, and that brings me back to faith as I start to lean in against him again. I don't want to live in fear. I want to live cuddled up to his leg, knowing his power and his presence and being confident I'm in the right place and he's got me in his hand. When we do that, no matter what happens, we can live without fear. And as I look at this Israeli conflict that's going on, do you know there's a lot of fear in the world at the moment? I counted in the Australian newspaper just yesterday nine articles about Israel and what's happening and the fear being generated about what will happen next and nuclear weapons and Iraq and Russia and, and this could and, and the, what could be and I just had to put the paper down and think, no, I'm not going to dwell on that and I'm not going to deny reality. I know that it's my place to pray but I'm not going to live in fear over this. Instead, I'm just going to lean against his leg and say, God, I don't understand this, but you're bigger than me, and I'm going to put my trust in you. Don't live in fear, 
live in his presence and see how it changes your outlook. And David says, I'm confident of this. I will see his goodness in the land of the living as I put my trust in him. Today, there might be people who are worried, who are fearful about the Israeli conflict because we're getting so much news about it, about interest rates are supposed to go up this Tuesday, about what's going to happen in the future, about governments seem to be going crazy, about where will my place be and I worry for my kids. Today is the day where we come back to that place, where we lean against his leg and just feel his presence in our life and allow confidence to rise. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. <coughs> like I said, David wrote this psalm on the run, literally on the run for his life with an army against him. And I'll just read it again, just those first few words. The Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then he writes right at the end, lean against the leg of the Lord. Be strong and take heart and lean against his leg. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for these type of psalms that I need to read when I visit fear. Because I don't want to live there. That's not my lot in life as a Christian, as a Christ follower. It's not my place to live in fear. And so I'm so thankful for psalms like this that bring me back to the place where I should be so that I'm not living in fear. And Lord, I pray that my focus would be on you, not my problems, that I'd be conscious of your presence all the time. And Lord, I just pray that I'd be able to lean Lord, I pray for people here who I know at the moment are fearful. Fearful about the future, fearful about what's going to happen. Fearful about will I get through? Lord, I pray that we would be able to say, I'm confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email, connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.